0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rabbi Duby ben Chushan. Oruch Hashem Zochet to be able to spend the next 45 minutes to a half an hour with you. Typically, there are two types of speakers. There is one of an inspirational speaker, and there's one of an informational speaker. Typically, we look to inspire on these particular speeches. Nonetheless, right now we got the inspiration of a lifetime. We're literally a day or two away and after the great night of Matan Torah. With that unbelievable inspiration, it's here and it's the time to step over the line. Today, we're looking to give something a little bit more of the informational genius of Torah. Because now that we got it, what greater simcha than actually to learn it? I'd like to begin from a concept that many of us remembered and heard growing up. The Gemara Masechet Shabbat tells us, D'arash Reb Simai, she'gdimu Yisrael Na Sevenishma At the moment that we stood by Harsinai and we said Na Sevenishma an incredible thing took place. 600,000 angels came down to each and every one of Kalal Israel. This is something that we all remember growing up as children being told that at that, that amazing moment that we said, Na'aseh by Har sinai, 600,000 angels came down, and they put on her heads, the head of each and every Jew, two crowns, one crown for Na'aseh, one crown for nishma. However, like the Gemara tells us, after the Jewish people sinned and the Egel took place, those angels came back and they took the crowns away. Like the Pasuk says. The Jewish people lost their jewelry. Their crowns. By Har Sinai. After the great sin of the Egel was done. I'd like to spend a few minutes today. Talking about an incredible phenomenon. Where did these crowns come from? Of Naaseh V'Nishma. And where did they go to as well? I heard from a good friend, a rabbi out in Queens, Rabbi Gladstein, a schmooze that I'd like to share with you. Because to me, this was something of an eye-opener and it changed my Shabuot completely. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to ask you a question. What day of the Omer was Matan Torah? Now, immediately we all jumped to say, well, if we counted the Omer for 49 days and the next night was Shabu'od, so it's clear then that the 50th day of the Omer was Matan Torah. However, that's not true. Matan Torah was on the 51st day of the Omer. And do you know why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu came along and he decided to push off Matan Torah one day. He pushed off Matan Torah from what would have been Friday. He pushed it off to Shabbat. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu push off Matan Torah an extra day? And to be able to appreciate this issue, I'd like to introduce you to an incredible Gemara in Mesechet Shabbat. The Gemara says that the Satan, the Yetzer Hara, he came up to Shamaim. And he asked Hashem, Bore Olam, where is the Torah? It's gone. What happened to it? It's not in the Aaron anymore. It's not in the closet. What happened? Bore Olam told the Satan, while you were gone, I gave the Torah down to Klal Yisrael. Take a look. How Bore Olam literally distracted the Yetzed Hara and sent them off on some wild goose chase, just to give us the opportunity to receive the Torah Hakdosha without his meddling, without him trying to sabotage Matan Torah. If this is the case, you can tell well that Matan Torah was really something that was time-sensitive, and time was the essence. So why then would Moshe Rabbeinu take that unbelievable risk of moving and pushing off Matan Torah from day 50 to day 51. He pushed it off an extra day until the 51st day of the Omer. Why would Moshe do that? We're going to find out that what Moshe Rabbeinu did was something, nothing short of genius. Like the Gemara tells us in Shabbat, Pezayin Amur Aleph, Yom Ehad, Hosif Moshe Bida'ato. One day Moshe Rabbeinu pushed off Matan Torah. And he did it on his own volition. Detanya, gimel dvarim asa Moshe imo. There were three things that Moshe Rabenu did on his own initiative, but Hashem agreed with him on all three. And what were they? Well, the Gemara tells us one was Hosif Mechad He pushed off matan Torah to Shabbat. Pireshumin haisha. haisha. He separated from his wife. And the third was Vishavarat HaLuchot. On the way down, upon seeing the Egel, he destroyed and threw down the Luchot. And Hashem agreed with him on all three. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu push off Matan Torah today 51? Why did he push it off to Shabbat? Ladies and gentlemen, the Luchot were given twice. The Luchot Rishonot. And the luchot shniot, there is incredible remez that is brought by Reb Shloma Mivilna, the remez to when exactly or both the giving of Torah took place, the first time on the fifty-first day of the Omer, pushed off the Shabbat, the second time on Yom Kippur. Do you know where this amazing remez is from? Anochi Hashem Elokecha. The word Anochi, Alif Nun. That's 51, the 51st day of the Omer, the first time Torah was given. And the other two letters, Chaf Yud in Anochi, that stands for Yom Kippur. That was the second time the Torah was given, the Luchot Shniot. But why did Moshe really do that? Why did Moshe chance to push off Torah from Friday to Shabbat? Well, there's an incredible deep concept here that I'd like to be zochet to share with you today. If you take a look in the end of Torah in Vezot HaBeracha, the pasuk says over there, Vayomer Hash- Vayomar Hashem Misinay Ba V'zarach Lamo This is a famous pasuk that we all know from the readings of Simcha Torah. V'zarach Miseir Lamo Hofia mehar Paran veAtam kodesh. lamo. Hashem, He came from Sinai. He was zarach from Har Seir. He was hofia by Har Paran. He came to rivvot kodesh with His right hand. He gave Torah to us Klal Yisrael. By the way, this is the pasuk that the Gemara brings in Berachot that tells us that we always do mitzvot with our right hand. Because Hashem gave Torah with his right hand. But what does this Pasuk really mean? Why does the Pasuk, when talking about Matan Torah, why does it talk about Har Seir and Har Paran? So Rashi tells us, "Vizarach lamo, Shepatach libne seir, he came to the children of Esav, and he asked them, kablu ta Torah, do you want to accept Torah? and they turned hashem down and they said no we don't want your torah then hashem went mehar paran sham it was after that that hashem went to the bnei yesha'el and offered them torah and they too did not want like the midrash tells us in ikadarabati B'techila nigla Bnei Esav. But they said to Hashem, No, thank you. V'lo kibluha. Hechzira al B'nei Yishmael. V'lo kibluha. V'lepsof. Hechzira Yisrael. V'kibluha. Then Hashem came back to us. Klali Israel, Offered the Torah. And we accepted. Hada hu dechtiv. V'ata merivivot kodesh. Mimino esh dat lamo. He came to Revivot Kodesh. to Klali Israel. And with his right hand. He gave us a Torah upon our acceptance an amazing thing Esav Yishmael turned down the Torah the Jewish people we accepted the Torah Hagdosha. we're about to find that in this there's an incredible Sod yes as children growing up we heard that Hashem went to all the nations of the world and offered to them the Torah but there's a much deeper meaning to this. Obviously, Bore Olam was doing something where I don't believe, as we're going to see in a moment, that he really was looking to offer the Torah to Bnei Esav or Bnei ishmael. Rather, this was all a stepping stool to be able to give Torah to Klal Israel in a way of utmost perfection. Let me explain to you where this started from. We need to go all the way back to none other than Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu, he made with Hashem a great treaty known as the Brit Ben Abitarim. And the Pasuk over there says an incredible phenomenon. Do you know how Abraham made this Brit Ben Abitarim, this treaty, this covenant with Hashem? This is a Pasuk in Lech Lecha, Perik Tedvav, Pasuk Yud. Listen to this. Abraham took animals, split them in half. He put one half of the animal on one side and the other half of the animal on the other. And in the middle, he put a bird. But that bird he did not split. Says the Migale Amukot. What exactly was Abraham doing here? Says Migale Amukot. Take a look at the words. The word ele is gematria 36. Do you know what Abraham did? He took 36 animals. He split them all in half. He put 35 plus 1 on his right side. He put 35 of the other halves on his left side plus 1 on top. And this was going to symbolize the 70 nations of the world, each one with their leader. The two nations that lead the Goyim in the world are the Bnei Esav and the Bnei Ishmael. These two are the most prominent of all nations by the Goyim. Esav has his 35 nations of the West. Yishmael has his 35 nations of the East. Together combined, they make the Shivim Ha'umot, the 70 nations of the world. Abraham Avinu was about to depict a powerful symbolization through the splitting of these 36 animals, where on one side he put 35 halves and its head. On the other side, he put the other 35 heads and its head. That was to symbolize the 70 nations of the Goyim with Ishmael heading on one side and Esav heading on the other side. And what did he put in the middle? He put a tsipor, And that tsipor was remained complete. That bird was Klal Yisrael, right in the middle. Says the Al Mukot. what exactly was Abraham looking to show with this symbolism? Explains the Al Mukot. He put Ishmael on the right side because Ishmael was the son of Abraham who is Chesed. Chesed is always on the right. He put Esav with his nations on the left side because Esav was the son of Yitzchak whose Gvurah and Din, judgment, is always on the left side. And he put Klal Yisrael as the bird in the middle. What exactly was he showing? Something incredible. At first... 35 on the right side plus Yishma'el 35 on the left side plus Esav ele barekhev, veele basusim these 35 on the right these 35 on the left they may come or basusim to torment klali yisrael hashem naskir we will always be able to somehow survive and remain in the middle amongst the goyim as that sipar complete to survive, to go on. Do you know what our secret is? Says Megalea Mokot, look at the genius that Abraham was setting up. What day of the week does Ishmael celebrate their day of rest? That's Friday. What day of the week does Esav celebrate his day of rest? Well, that's Sunday. So look what Abraham Avinu did. He put Ishmael on the right side of the bird of Klal Yisrael because Friday is on the right side of Shabbat. And then he put Esav on the left side of the bird, Klal Yisrael because Sunday is on the left side of Shabbat. Yes, if you're looking at the calendar, it looks the opposite. But if you are the calendar, then Friday is on the right of Shabbat. And Sunday is on the left of Shabbat. Yishmael with their rest day, Friday, on one side of Shabbat. Esav on his rest day, Sunday, on the other side of Shabbat. And what's in between Friday and Sunday? Shabbat Kodesh. That was the bird in the middle. As long as Klal Yisrael keep Shabbat Kodesh, we are Mivatel, the power of Yishmael, on one side of us on Friday, and Esav, on the other side of us on Sunday. And this is what the Gemara meant. When the Gemara told us, in Shabbat, Il male, if only, this is in Kuf Yudchet, Il male, Shamru Yisrael Shabbat Rishonah, Lo Shalita Bahem Uma If we would keep Shabbat Kodesh, then no nation in the world would be able to lay a finger on us. We would be invincible because Shabbat separates the Friday of Ishmael and the Sunday of Esav. And says the Megalei Mukot, something so much more powerful. He says, take a good look. The Vayichulu that you say Friday night, do you know how many words Vayichulu has? 35 words. Do you know how many words the Kiddush that we say Friday night? Again, 35 words. The 35 words of Ayichulu, they correspond to the 35 nations of Yishmael. The 35 words of Kiddush, they correspond to the 35 nations of Esav. There it is, Shabbat, right in between Friday of Yishmael and Sunday of Esav, through those 35 words of Ayichulu and the 35 of Kiddush, where Mivatel, the power of Esav and Yishmael, and Klal Yisrael can go on. This is the unbelievable secret behind the Brit Ben Abitarim that Abraham Avinu was already setting up for us many years prior. If this is the case, now we can come back to our great question regarding the crowns of Naasev and Yishma. As I mentioned in the beginning of this class, that this is not our typical weekly class. Typically every week we look to find inspiration in the parasha and share. Coming out of Shabuot, that night itself had an inspiration that could really last us a year, let alone a lifetime. That is why I would like to give out a very sweet information, and I'd like to open up with the Zar HaKadosh. Balak, He says over an incredible dialogue that took place between Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai and a young boy. The boy came and he asked Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai an incredible question. He said, Rabbi Shimon, I don't understand. The pasuk that we read prior, that we read earlier, that talks about when the Jewish people were by Matan Torah, then Hashem came, Me Sinai ba, Vizarach, Me Lamo. <laughs> then Hashem came from Sinai and he went to Seir and he went to Harparan, which is the children of Esav and Yishmael, asking them if they want Torah. Wouldn't it be more grammatically correct to say, Not Um Seir Lamo, but li Seir Lamo? In Hebrew, when we put a lamid in front of the word, it means that that is where God went to. Liseir, lehar paran, not mehar paran. Comes Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, and he answers this young boy's question with an incredible clarity what really took place by that moment of Matan Torah, as it's explained by the Torah Tchaim, Kral Yisrael knew good and well that Hashem did not go to Esav or Yishmael to really offer them the Torah. Rather, you know what Hashem really went to do? Listen to what the Zohar writes. And he says, Hashem came to Bnei Esav. And he said, Esav, do you want my Torah? Esav says, well, let me hear what it's about. Says the Zohar, Hashem skipped through the entire Torah. And went straight to the words, lo tirtzach. You're not allowed to murder. It says Esav, Bore Olam. If we cannot murder, we will lose all our strength and power in this world. The blessing that we got was al-charbicha If you're going to take the sword away from us, if you're going to take the ability to kill away from us, then we'll have absolutely no strength or blessing in this world. We live by the sword. We cannot possibly keep a Torah like that. Hashem came back to them a second time, says the Zor HaKadosh. And he asked them, but Esav, you should take the Torah because you are the Bechor of Yitzhak, and the Bechor should get this great treasure. You know what Esav answered Hashem? The Bnei Esav told Hashem, we are not the Bechor. We sold the Bechor to Yaakov Avinu. And now we are finally being mode. We are admitting that he was really the Bechor and not us. Hashem says, okay, so you're not the Bechor, but take it anyways. Esav says, no, no, Hashem, we can't. But we have a great idea. You know who you should give it to, Boreolam? Olam? Give it to the Bnei Yaakov. Give it to the Jewish people. They will take care of your Torah well. And besides, they are the rightful bichor. Hashem says, but Esav, help me out. Give me advice. How would I convince the Jewish people to take my Torah? The Bnei Esav says, Hashem, we have a great idea for you. Take all our light. Take our blessings. Take the glory of the Bnei Esav. We'll give it as a dowry, as an adunya, so that the Jewish people will marry your daughter, the Torah, Hakdosha. Use it as an incentive. Show them that they'll cash in and they'll have our light, our crown, our glory. We're willing to throw it into the mix. Just let them have it. We don't want it. Hashem says if that's the case, then let's do that. And says the Zohar HaKadosh, Hashem stripped the Bnei Esav from all their light and all their glory and all their blessings. And he brought it with him to give to Klal Yisrael part of the package when giving them Torah. But wait, that wasn't good enough. Borei knows that there is one more nation in the world that's also the leader of the Goyim. Another nation that's going to be a nemesis for the Jewish people, not just Esav, Ishmael, and Hashem said, "I'm going to have to go and neutralize them also, in order to be able to give Klal Yisrael the greatest blessings and the future to learn my Torah without anyone bothering them." See, so you no, know Borei Olam did. He went from Har Seir, Esav, and he went to Har Paran, to Ishmael. And he says to Bnei Ishmael, "Bnei Yishmael, do you want my Torah?" Bnei Ishmael says, "Ma katuv ba." Hashem skips through the entire Torah, and he goes straight to Lotin Af. You're not allowed to be immoral, adultery. Bnei Ishmael says, "I'm sorry, Hashem. That's no way that we can accept such a Torah. We live on pru urvu." We live on pere adam milashom peru from the concept of pruravu. We cannot accept such a thing. We cannot accept such a Torah. Like the Gemara tells us that 9 out of 10 kabim that came down to the world of Zenut went straight to Ishmael. Lo we can't do that. So Hashem says to Bnei Ishmael, but if that's the case, who's going to marry my daughter, the Torah? You're turning down my daughter, says, oh, No, no, no. We just want her to have a more suitable husband. Go to the Bnei Yaakov, they would be the right ones. Hashem says, But how am I going to get them to accept my Torah? says Bnei Ishmael, Don't worry, we're going to give a very attractive dowry so that they'll marry your daughter, the Torah. Take all our light says the Zohar. Take all our Shefa, take all our blessings and give it to the Jewish people. Hashem says, if that's the case, if you're agreeing to that, then I'll give it to them. And he stripped the Bnei Ishmael of all their light and all their blessings. And now, Bore Olam comes to Harsinai. At that moment, Klal Yisrael says, Naaseh V'Nishma. You want to hear the secret of a lifetime? Do you know why we said naase vinishma? Because the word naase is milashon asui, asiyah. Do you know who is called by the word asiyah? Esav. Bore Look what you did for us. You stripped the b'nei esav of all their crowns and their light and their power just to bring us and give it to us. So that we can take the Torah with such unbelievable blessing. Naaseh milashon asui esav. Vinishma! Nishma's milashon et kol kolha na'ar. Yishma'el! You also stripped Yishma'el of his light and his blessings and his crowns just to give us the Torah, with such blessing, with such cohort. Wow. nase, Look what you did to Esav. Nishma. Look what you did to Yishmael for us. And sure enough, at that moment that we said Naaseh and the angels of the nations of Esav and Yishmael came down as they promised. And they gave the dowry to the Jewish people upon the wedding to the Torah HaGdoshah, and they place their honor, their glory, and their crowns on our heads. Wow. That's where the crowns of Nasev and Ishma came from. And if that's the case, we need to know now, ay, 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 how later on we fell into that Egel, and we couldn't hold on to those crowns. And that light from both the B'nei Esav and the B'nei Ishmael. But where did it go to? And I want to tell you that the Arizal writes, Yismach Moshe, you know why Moshe was so happy? Because of the unbelievable matanot that he received. You know which matanot those are referring to? Says the Arizal, the crowns of and Ishma. when the Jewish people sinned by the Egel, those crowns were taken away from the Jewish people, and they were all given to Moshe Rabbeinu. Like we've read, Alita La Shavita Shevi, Matanot Moshe Rabbeinu received from those angels Matanot in heaven. And those were all the crowns that was given to Moshe off the heads of Am Yisrael upon Cheta Egel. But says the Arizah, wait. Do you want to hear something incredible? Do you know what Moshe Rabbeinu does with all the crowns of Naseven and Nishma? Every Shabbat, he's an Eved Ne'eman. He gives the crowns back to Klal Yisrael on Shabbat Kodesh. Those are the neshama yitera of the Jewish people. Every Shabbat we get back the crowns of and Because Moshe Rabbeinu, the one who received those crowns, he proves yet again that he was never in it for him. He was never in it for his honor, his profit, or glory. He was only in it to be the Eved Ne'eman. He was only in it to be the Raya de hemnuta, that faithful shepherd of Am Yisrael. And every Shabbat he gives the crowns back to Klai on Shabbat to be able to wear those crowns of Naasev and Ishmael again. Do you know why he gives it back to us on Shabbat? Because what is the... Who did we get these crowns from? We got the crowns from Bnei Esav and Bnei Ishmael. What is the power that is Mivatel, the koach of Bnei Esav and Bnei Ishmael? Shabbat, like we saw by the Brit Ben Abitarim of Abraham Avinu. If that's the case, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu pushed off Matan Torah to day 51, because you know what that day was? That day was Shabbat Kodesh. And on Shabbat, the goyim cannot touch us. Shabbat is nestled in between Friday and Sunday, in between B'nei Ishmael and B'nei Esav, and it knocks their power out, allowing us to get their crowns back, Ki Eved Ne'eman karatalo. this is the incredible secret behind, the crowns of Na'asev and and this is why, Moshe Rabbeinu pushed Matan Torah off the Shabbat, to be the Eved Ne'eman, to give us back those crowns, that we lost by the Egel, on Shabbat, the crowns of Esav and Yishmael, because Shabbat is Mavatel the koach of all the goyim. Klal Yisrael is able to wear the crowns and enjoy the Torah once again. And if this is the case, maybe we can share one more gem, and then we'll go back to the old style of inspiration. But stick with me for one more step, because this upon the Shi'ur that I gave to so many of my guys on the last day of Yom Tov, this last point was the cherry on top. You see, we all learnt a little bit Perkei Avot prior to the coming of Shabbat. And in the Mishnah over there, it says, Al varim umed, writes the Arizal HaKadosh originally, Those three Amudim that the world stand on, Torah, Avodah, Gemilut Hasadim. Do you know who was meant to be the three Amudim, the three pillars? Those were meant to be the three nations of the world. And who are they? Am Yisrael was supposed to be the Amud of Torah. Yishmael, the son of Abraham, was going to be the Amud of Gemilut Chasadim. Esav was going to be the Amud Avoda because he was the son of Yitzchak. Yitzchak was the one of Avoda and Gevura. And this was originally the way he was going to go. Three nations, three Amudim of the world. Klal Yisrael was going to be Amud Torah. Ishmael was going to be the Amud of Gimilut Chesed. And sure enough, Esav was going to be the Amud of Avoda. However, Sure enough, at the time of Matan Torah, when Yishmael turned down the Torah, he lost the opportunity to be the Amud of Gemilut Chesed in the world. And that was given to Klali Yisrael upon the crowns of Naasev and Ishma. And now Yishmael, they have a certain nature of Chesed, but it is completely distorted. And that's why they're into zinut. Because do you know what zinut is? It's chesed that was twisted in a very improper way. Think about that for a moment. Like the Torah writes by the arayot. Torah says you're not allowed to marry your sister. You know what the Torah says in the pasuk? Ki chesed who? Chesed? What does chesed have to do with arayot? Yes, yes. Chesed when twisted. Chesed when twisted. And perverted becomes Arayot and Zenut. And that's what became of Yishmael after they lost the Amud of Chesed and gimilut chasadim When they turned down the Torah and they gave that power to Klal Yisrael. And so too, when Bnei Esav turned down the Torah, they were supposed to be the Amud of Avodah. Like we said, the word esav is milashon asiyah. They were going to be the doers, the builders of the world. But they lost that. And instead of the asiyah, of the avodah that they were meant to do, the avodah for the better of the world, turns out that their avodah was perverted as well. And like Hashem says to Rome, as the gimaran Dav Gimel Amud Bet, Bet Amud Bet, and Avodah Zarah tells us, everything you did in this world, you didn't do it for me. You didn't do it for Klal Israel the way you were supposed to do it. But you did it with sorech Atzmechem. You did it for yourselves, for your own gain. And therefore you perverted what was given to you in truth. That's why Bnei Esav lost the Amud of Avodah. And again, it was given to Klal Israel with the crowns by Matan Torah. And because of this, we became the nation that holds now all three Amude haolam. We now hold Torah and avodah in our tefillah and gemilut chasadim in the way we do chesed in Klal Yisrael. And this is the incredible pasuk: Vihi tem li segula mikol haamin. Now you became the segula. You know what segula? Sigula's milashon segol. Did you ever see in the Nikudot under the letters that we read, the segol is three dots? Originally, Klal Yisrael, you stood as one of the Amudim, but now v'hitemli segula milashon segol, you became all three Amudim. You became the Amud haTorah. You became the Amud haGemilut Chassidim veChesed, and you also became the Amud haAvoda of Tefillah as well. Look at what we got. Look at what Bore Olam did for us. Not just enough that he gave us the greatest treasure in the world, the Torah HaKdoshah, that Hashem refers to the Torah as B.T., my daughter. But not just that. He first went out and neutralized Bnei Esav, neutralized Bnei Ishmael. He gave us the Torah with all their light, with all their blessings, so that the Torah would be given in the most perfect of ways, with a package that is beyond imagination. He gave us a Shabbat, and he put that Shabbat right in between Friday, the resting day of Yishmael, and Sunday, the resting day of Esav, so that as long as that we have Shabbat in between, it's Mivatel the power of the Bnei Ishmael and the Bnei Esav. Oh, if we would have only kept that first Shabbat in the Midbar, no nation could have ever touched us. And we still, till today, draw our strength of survival and the zichut of Am Yisrael amongst the goyim from Shabbat Kodesh. When we keep that Shabbat, we're Mivatel the power of all the goyim of the world. Ashreinu matov chelkeinu. How lucky we are to get this Torah, this treasure, these crowns, this light, this blessing, and this unbelievable Shabbat Kodesh, the survival of Klal Yisrael. But now that we got the Torah, what do we do with it? Ah, what do we do with it? I'd like to tell you an incredible story. This is a story that dates back many good years. Lakewood, New Jersey. There was a wonderful rabbi who was loved by everyone. He was a mechanech, a very warm personality. Somebody that you know, you spend a few minutes with such a magnet of a personality, and everyone sees how special the person they are in their company. This rav, he did a wonderful job, and he was mechanech his children with warmth and love. But there was one boy, one of his sons, that he saw from yet a young age that there was something troubling this boy, that any time Torah or D'at or religion was brought up, he shied away. It was as if he was born with a certain aversion, we should never know. And years went by, and as this boy grew up, on the outside of the house, he began to completely and absolutely go off the derech. He did not keep Shabbat anymore. He did not eat kasher anymore. However, when he came home, Kozman, that he was in his house, as long as that he was in his father's home, as long as he was in front of his father, he would play out a charade as if he was still from As if he was still religious. At home he would keep Shabbat. At home he wouldn't turn on lights. At home he wouldn't shalom, eat anything. Or even act in a way that would tip his father off. That he's completely off the derech. He had a love for his father and a respect. But the minute he walked out the door. That was the moment that it all went. After years and years of this double standard and double life. Word got back to his parents that this boy is not keeping Shabbat spotted in many of the different non-kosher restaurants. And the father was heartbroken. One evening, his son came home. And before his father can even say a word, his son walks up to him and says, Abba, I want to talk to you. I know you found out about the way I live outside the house. And I wish I could have been the one to tell it to you. I wish you didn't hear it from people on the outside. I'm sure it was terribly embarrassing. Nonetheless, I do want to tell you that I think I have an idea that could really straighten out my life. It could really give me a career and a direction that I can pull myself together. His father looks at his son and says, you're going to go to your yeshiva? He says, no, dad, I wasn't talking about yeshiva. Oh, so what are you talking about? I want to go out to college. I applied to a college out in Jiddiesville, America, out in rural America, somewhere in the Midland. I applied to one of these colleges out in the sticks, and I got accepted. I really believe if I go to college, I can pull myself together. I can go for a career. His father hears this, and his heart drops. He's my son. You know, if in Lakewood, New Jersey, it was difficult for you to continue to be a from Jew, could you imagine going out on a college campus somewhere in Midland America where there isn't a trace of Judaism, just the opposite? Everything that goes there is against the morality of what it means to be a Jew. You're going to go there and expect to be better? His son says, Abba, listen, you got to trust me. I'm telling you, I'm going regardless. I'm just asking to go with your blessing. When his father heard that, his father said, okay, stop. I'll give you my blessing. I'll even help you. I'll even support you. But on one condition, every single day, you're going to put on your tefillin." If you do that, you have my blessing. I'll send and I'll support you. The son looked up at his father. He was grinning from ear to ear. He said to himself, Dad, listen, I haven't put on tefillin in almost four or five years, but I'm going to do it. You can bank on it, but remember your side of the deal. You're going to support me. You're going to pay my college tuition. I have no way of doing this. Financial aid only helps me a certain amount. I need your help, but you'll see. I'm going to turn out to be something better. His father didn't know what to say. The best of two evils. Nonetheless, he looked at his son and hugged him like only a father could. That evening, his son came home, packed up his suitcases, and brought in his old koracha, his old filling bag from the back seat that sat in the back trunk for almost four years. He dust off the dust. And he showed it to his dad. He says, dad, you see, here's my Twillen bag. Here's my Coracha. Here it is. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to put it on every day. You're going to see. And with that, he put all the stuff together. His father helped him with his stuff out to the car. And there in the old broken down Chevy with a big bumper sticker on the back bumper, college or bust. He threw his tefillin in the back trunk and he sped off waving goodbye to his parents He started laughing to himself, the boy. That was easy. He thinks I'm going to put on tefillin. I haven't put on, I can't even count the amount of times on one hand that I put on tefillin since the day I was bar mitzvah. I haven't seen those boxes for five, six, seven years. But hey, I got what I wanted. I'm off to college. He's going to pay my tuition. And with that little chuckle, he drove off and he drove out to Midland America to the college campus that he was accepted to. After about three, four months in college, he started loving the college life, walking around feeling good about himself, walking around college. There, nobody was asking him to do anything he didn't want to do. There he was free. He walked around holding a Starbucks cup, feeling all intellectual and good about himself. Till one day, in the middle of class, the dean walks in, and the dean points to this boy and says, can I have a word with you in my office for a minute? He says, yeah, sure. He comes into the office. He sits in front of the dean, and the dean says to him, listen, you're a good kid. I had my eye on you since the day you came to college. And I could see that, you know, you have a very bright future. You have a smart head. You have a good head. But listen to me. I'm going to cut straight to the chase. Um, your parents, they paid the first two months of tuition. But after that, we haven't seen a nickel. Now listen, it's nothing personal, but we both understand that you cannot remain in college without paying the college tuition. I'm sorry. So do me a favor. Maybe there was a mix-up. Get on the phone with your father, talk to him, and just explain to him, if he wants his son to remain in college, he has to pay the tuition. The boy, his mouth is gaping, his jaws on the floor. What? My dad didn't pay the tuition? He told me he's paying the tuition. Oh, There's probably a mix-up here. Don't worry. Dean, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to speak to him. He leaves the dean's office. He calls up his father in Lakewood. And he says, Dad, hey, uh... What's going on? His father says, oh, Shalom Aleichem, I didn't speak to you in months. What's going on in college? How is it? Oh, Baruch Hashem, everything's wonderful. But, Dad, listen, I got called out to the dean's office today. And he wanted to know how come there's no tuition coming. Dad, you told me that you're going to support me. You're going to pay the tuition. What's going on? His father says, oh, that's why you're calling. No, 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 don't worry about it. All you got to do is Davin to Hashem. And everything's going to be okay. Uh, Dad, you, you didn't hear what I said. I said that uh, the tuition wasn't paid. This has nothing to do with davening to The tuition wasn't paid. Do me a favor. Just write out a check and just mail it into the college like this. You know, I won't have a problem here. He says, no, no, I get it. I understand. So that's what I'm telling you. You have nothing to worry about. Just pray, go daven, and everything's going to be great. He says, Dad, you're not getting me. Please, just pay the tuition. And with that, the son hung up. Two weeks later, the boy's in class again. And sure enough, the dean comes back in. He pulls him out of class. And in the hallway this time, he says to him, listen, uh, I hope you spoke to your father because we still didn't get a nickel. He said, what? That makes no sense. I spoke to him. I called him. He said he's going to send something. All right, let me take care of this. He calls up his father again. But this time, he takes a different approach. Hello, Abba, how are you? New, how's the learning? How's things going? How are the How my, how my brothers doing? Good, Baruch Hashem, wonderful. Ah, oh, siyateh yishtabach shemo, wonderful. Uh, Daddy, tell me, listen, I need the tuition for college. And the tuition, Dad, they're going to throw me out. Can you please just send the tuition? His father says, didn't I tell you? You have nothing to worry about. Just go daven. Go pray to Hashem. You're going to have everything you need. What's the issue? I told you. When what you do what you need to do, when you in, you pray, you learn, Hashem takes care of everything. You have nothing to worry about, to wish in, just go. That's it. The son lost it. He starts yelling and screaming, enough already. Enough with Hashem. Enough with learning. Enough with praying. They're going to kick me out of college. His father was silent. His son was screaming at the top of his lungs. The boy got so angry, he hung up. A week later, sure enough, the dean pulls him out of class and tells him, my friend, pack up your bags and leave because I'm sorry. I tried. Strike one, strike two, and this is strike three, you're out. Take your stuff and go home. He couldn't believe it. The boy went back to his fraternity house. He put his suitcases together, got back in the car, and drove all the way back to Lakewood, New Jersey. And during that drive, he was boiling. He said to himself, oh, when I get home, am I going to straighten out my, how could he, how could he, how could he do this to me? He comes back to Lakewood. He comes stomping into the house, and he turns to his father, and he yells, Dad, how could you? how could you do that? You promised me. How could you do that? And The father said, what did I do? He says, don't act like that. You know you didn't pay the tuition. He says, what are you talking about? I told you to daven. Again with the davening. What are you talking about? I need dollars and cents. The father says, oh, I get it now. Now I understand what happened. Uh, where is your tefillin? The son says, what? What does my tefillin have to do with it? He says, yeah, just bring me your koracha, bring me your tefillin bag. He says, why? Just bring me the bag. He goes outside. He pulls that tefillin bag out of the trunk where it sat for the last five months, collecting dust, brought it back inside to the house. He handed it to his father. His father turns to his son and says, I see you haven't opened this in five months since the day you left. The son didn't answer. He just dropped his face, dropped his head. The father says, open up your tefillin bag. Open up your koracha. The boy zips open the tefillin bag and sticks his hand inside. And right there in between the talit and the tefillin there's a piece of paper. He pulls out the paper and it was a blank signed check. And on the memo it said, use this for your college tuition. For this year. That's the answer. Says Boreola. It's not good enough. To know that we have a treasure somewhere. But when he gave us Torah. He told us. I put the treasure in the Torah HaGdosha. I put the Birachot in the Torah HaGdosha everything is there all you have to do is open up the Gemara and you'll find the check and we come to Hashem we say one second Shabuot is over we want the Berachot of the Torah we want the crowns of Naseh and we want the blessings of Shabbat we want the Mikor Ha-Biracha. we need it, we need help we need health, we need Parnassah we need it and bore Olam says don't worry just learn every day. Here's the deal. Open that gimara every day. Open that Tefillin big every day. Daven every day. Because that's where I place the check. And the guy screams, well, what, is, what does learning have to do with it? What does my share in the morning have to do with the Parnasai I make that day? What does the davening with a minion have to do with the way I end up having blessing at home or bringing up my kids or my shalom bayit? And the answer is, it has everything to do with it. it says Bode Olam, it's not enough to have the treasure. If you have the check and you don't cash it, what worth is it? I gave you the Torah. I gave you the Berachot. I gave you the Shabbat. Open up that sefer every day. And you'll find the check signed blank for all the blessings of Klali Israel. There it is. Let's cash it in. Now that we got the Torah on Shabbat, now let's cash in the check. Now let's enjoy the Torah HaGdoshah. Now is a time to learn. That Torah should carry us through the summer. It should carry us through the Chagim to the Yom HaGadol that we could be zochef finally to a Mashiach Tzidkenu Bimhera. Amen. This is Rabbi Duvi Ben Shishan from Congregation Magin Abraham wishing you Shabbat Tov and Shabbat Shalom.